welcome to Coming Up for Air, the Allies in Recovery podcast, with hosts Laurie McDougall, Kayla Solomon, and Dominique Simone Levine. Okay, Kayla, so in a past recording, we talked about PIUS, P-I-U-S, the acronym PIUS. Today, I'd like to introduce a new acronym, and it's ORS, O-A-R-S. Are you interested in learning a, a little? Yes, I, I think all of us need to be up. If we're in the stream with our boat, we need to have a horse. So this is good. It's more tools. <laughs> okay, it is more tools. The other thing about it is that it's craft tools. So we're still talking about craft. We're talking a little bit about reflective listening. And I will tell you this, the R in ORS stands for reflective listening. But ORS, so let's talk a little bit about ORS. The O in ORS actually could stand for three different things. First thing that ORS, that the O in ORS stands for, offering to help. What does that look like? That looks like saying something like, you know what? I noticed that there's been a struggle getting the garbage out to the sidewalk on Thursday evenings. Would it help if I put a sticky note on your bedroom door every Thursday, just so you know it's Thursday and you'll remember to get the garbage barrel out to the curb? Or would it help? I know that you're struggling with anxiety and it's difficult to call a psychiatrist and make an appointment. Would it help if I made the call with you? So that's offering to help. Second O is open-ended questions. Mm. Open-ended questions are questions that require description. So it's not the yes or no questions, or it's not the one word answer questions, you know, like, did you have a good day? No. Are you hungry? Yes. Open-ended questions require descriptions. And I will tell you that in the meetings that we have in the evening, we spend a lot of time when we're going through the communication module, writing up little open-ended questions to just kind of inspire us to think. It sounds something like, okay, what was the best part and why do you feel that way? Mm -hmm. If you had to change something about that, what would be the thing that you need changed? How do you think you could improve on that presentation? And then we kind of added, what went well and what needs tweaking, right? What's your opinion of, how do you go about blank? If you have a loved one that doesn't speak much, open-ended questions is a gift. They're not easy to come up with. They're not easy to do. So practice trying to come up with open-ended questions to get your loved one to talk a little bit more so that you can do some listening. And then the third O is owning your own piece. So owning your own piece in something sounds like, I know I'm the one that likes to have the dishes done before we sit down in front of the television in the evening. Or I know I'm the one that doesn't like the smell of pot in the house, right? So this is why I'm asking that we set up a space outside near the garage and then I can offer to help. Would it help if I, you know, put an ashtray in a comfortable chair out there? Would that make it easier for you to go outside and smoke your pot? Any questions so far? Oh, for me? Yep. No, I, I love these because I feel like the thing about all these O's is 
and by the way, the open-ended questions, I think, is the hardest part of this yep. because it's kind of like, I always I think they use the expression of, what were you thinking? Sounds like an open-ended question, but it's not. <laughs> What's going on is not an open-ended question. So tone does matter. And I like to add two aspects to the open-ended questions, which is that you are truly interested and curious so that you're not asking to get the answer that you want. You are just curious and you're giving the other person an opportunity to actually think about these things. They might not even know the answer, but there's something about asking good open-ended question that's kind of making an offer to them because you're offering to allow them to think about something in a different way. And one major aspect that we focus on with allies is that the other person, your loved one, needs to be the one making the decision. Because if you make the decision for them, it doesn't stick as long and it really isn't lasting and it also isn't as valuable. Behavior change happens with the person choosing that they want to do something different. So to me, all of these O's are about creating an environment where they start to think about things differently, where they start to feel engaged in a different way. So the offering to help is your way of removing minor obstacles. But be careful about this because this is not that you're making big offers to help. Like I'm going to drive you to work every day or I'll drive you to the treatment program all the time because be careful of those big ongoing global offers because what happens is that ties you up. And then if you're doing too much, then it's not their their choice. Because then if you're driving them every day and they decide not to go to work, are you going to get upset? Are you going to intervene? So the offers are this kind of secondary assistance to get some obstacles out of the way, but not to become part of the solution because they need to be part of the solution. And then, oh, I love the owning your own piece. I don't know if this because I'm a therapist, but I will tell you in my own life, the other thing is owning my own piece also includes apologizing. So it's like, I realized that what I said the other day was intrusive. I'm really sorry because that was more about me. So owning your own piece is the key to the kingdom because it allows you to start separating yourself from the other person. And you are also modeling behavior of taking responsibility for what you're doing that's not working as well. I like owning your own piece because what it does is it softens the kind of the demanding. Typically it's it's more demanding, but owning my piece in it, basically I'm inviting my loved one to help me solve my problem. So I'm I'm inviting them up next to me. I know it's me, right? But I'm asked what I'm asking for is a little bit of help from you. Can you help me with this? And people they do like to help. They do if you just give them the opportunity to, and it allows me to ask versus demand. The other thing I want to say about open-ended questions, and I'm really glad you brought, you brought this up, Kayla, because open-ended questions certainly will help the loved one that doesn't talk very much, but it also can be used in really crafty ways to even get your loved one that maybe does talk a lot to kind of stop and think. And I did have the opportunity to do that where my loved one was telling me a story and uh, they had gone to a sports arena, got to watch this tournament. When I asked about it, I, you know, how did it, how did that day go? How did it go? Oh, it went, 
you know, it was awful when they were hoarding us, they were putting us in the arena like it was like we were cattle and just, and I was sitting there going, oh my God, right? Like only the negative stuff, that's what you got. You got to go to this incredible tournament and all you got out of it was how you walked into the building. And I immediately started thinking, how can I get him to stop and think of something positive? And so I stopped him and I said, oh yeah, that sounds really difficult. And I said, so so tell me though, what were two things that were your absolute favorite from the day and why? And I heard him repeat back to me what I asked him. What were two of my favorite things from the day and why? And I was like, I'm watching him think. I got him to think <laughs> and to think positively. And he did. He shared with me two things that he found very positive from the day that he really enjoyed. And he told me why. It was, oh my God, I, I felt so successful. <laughs> I felt, you know, a warmness in my heart that it worked. Well, there's two things. One is it worked because you got to hear this great story, but you changed his story by asking that question. Because remember, many of us are oriented to find the negative and see the negative. It's just hardwired and very easy to do. And if something bad happens, it takes over. It's kind of like if you get evaluations and you get 24 excellent evaluations and one bad one, the one you're going to obsess about is that one. So we're kind of hardwired for that. It supposedly keeps us safe, but we're not cave people anymore. So we get to be a little bit more subtle. And so... I feel like every time you ask a question like that, you're helping him shift his experience. You're helping him think differently. And it becomes a question that he has access to, especially if you do it on a regular basis. Okay, what's the best part? What's the worst part? Or what'd you like? And then start with what you liked and then you can tell me what you didn't like. Awesome. All right, so what's this A thing? A stands for affirmations. People often get validations and affirmations totally mixed up. Validations are empathetic statements where you're validating someone's thoughts and feelings. You're you're literally, it makes sense to me that you would feel this way under those circumstances. That's a validating statement. Affirmations are statements of facts. You're going to make a statement of facts. Affirmations, I use them as little, little seedlings of we're going to build your self-esteem and I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you wonderful characteristics about who you are as a person. So an affirmation sounds something like you are so patient with children and animals. You're just, you spent three hours holding that baby. Wow. You're so patient with children and animals. It's a statement of a fact. You've been working really hard at that. I really am impressed with your diligence. I'm making a statement of fact. Questions on affirmations? Well, just that that it's things that you've noticed. I think there's two. So there's things that you've noticed. And then there's this other part, which is a little bit more subtle. So one of my affirmations that I love to use is that I trust that you know what to do. I trust that you'll figure it out. So they're the trust statements. Now, is it true that you think that they're going to be able to figure out some brilliant plan? I feel like that kind of affirmation is supporting because people ultimately have to decide for themselves what they're going to do. I trust that you know what you need. I trust that you'll know when you need to get help. Those are things that even if you don't 100% feel them, by putting that out, you're creating a potential reality. 
And so that's a different form of affirmation. So there's the, I just want you to know, I think you've been doing great, but you're not, you can't be vague. You have to be specific. It's so wonderful that you've gone to work three days this week, even if they're supposed to be there five, you know, you got there three days this week, which is two more than you did last week. That's an affirmation. But this other trust piece is more about putting out something positive, but not overblown. So it's not like, I trust that you'll be clean in two years, but it's more like, I trust that you understand yourself or that you know what you need or that you'll know when it's time. I trust that you're going to tell me, you're going to ask me for what you need when you know what you need. Yeah. Affirmations to me are reinforcing positive behavior or reinforcing some kind of a characteristic that I want to bring attention to for my loved one. I want them to see themselves in a positive light. And so I hold out these affirmations. This is something that I see in you. There's another A in here, but I'm not, I'm not going to put it in. I'll put it in a little bit later when we get to the S. So R is reflective listening. And well, reflective listening is actually not a craft skill, but it is an ally skill. It is, it is an ally skill. It is an allies program skill. I totally agree. And it is incredibly powerful. Reflective listening is just so incredibly powerful. If you don't practice anything, practice reflective listening. So I'm just going to say one word about that because I just want people to know what it is if they're here for the first time. If you're not here for the first time, you know what reflective listening is, but it's basically repeating back what somebody's saying, not interpreting, not editing, not adding your own opinion, not interrupting, but listening in a way that you're repeating back to the person what they're saying. Yep. That's it. Yep. It's basically listening. In a, in a deep way. Right. And making sure you understand what the person is saying. That's what it is. Or at least you've heard what the person is saying. Yep. Yep. Okay. The last part of ORS, S. S stands for sandwiching. Now, this is craft sandwiching. This is not what people typically think of sandwiching when we're talking about communication. Typically, people think of sandwiching as like coming in, saying something positive, saying something, uh, you know, maybe one or two things that are positive about the person. Then in the middle, you make the blow, you tell them where they need to improve or, right, you let them know what you're unhappy with. And then you close it out with another positive comment about the person. That's what a lot of people think sandwiching is. But for craft, it's something very different. It's actually, here's, here's another A. How you sandwich with craft is you ask permission to share. Now, I'll tell you, I do not teach sandwiching until I am through with all of the other craft skills and reflective listening because family members will tend to rely on this because it's an opportunity to get your own thoughts and ideas out there. And the drive to do that is so powerful, especially in the beginning that I'm like, no, I want you to learn to listen. We need to, we need to calm it down and we need to listen. We need to listen. So this is one that I saved to the very end. But the first step is to ask permission to share. So let's say your loved one is struggling with something. I don't know. They're struggling with something at work. You know, I was late a couple of minutes. My boss yelled at me and yelled at me in front of all of the other, all my colleagues. And um, I just don't know what to do. Then it's like, hey, you know what? I have some thoughts, maybe some things that you haven't thought of that I 
could I share them with you? Not that you have to do any of it. And remember, it's really important to send the message that I'm only going to give you information. I do not expect you to follow through on any of this. This is just food for thought. That's all it is. So it's ask permission to share. If you get a no, you back away. You do not share. I know it's hard to hear, but you do not share. So if you get a no, it's like, that's okay. That's okay. I, I'm sure you'll figure this out. I'm going to respect your uh, wishes and I am not going to share. If you get a yes, this is the golden ticket. Here it is. They're open to your thoughts. They are open to your ideas. If you get a yes, then all you do is share information. It's not, you should, you have to, you, it's not like that. It's, it's more sounds something similar to like, well, you know what? You have a couple of options that you could do to handle this situation with your boss. Maybe you could pull your boss into the office and say, hey, you know, I, I appreciate that I was late and you were frustrated. And maybe you could just say something like, I, I'm hoping next time it'll just be away from everybody in the office. Or you don't have to do that. You could go down to human resources. Do you know about human resources? They're there for you. So you can go and you can talk to somebody about it and they can help you out. Or you could spend the next couple of days thinking about it. And if, if it's not a big deal, maybe you could let it go. You know, you have some options here. Do you think any of these will work for you? And that's a part of the sandwiching. You ask, will any of these ideas work for you? No, no. You know, you get that. No. Oh, that's okay. You don't have to do any of them. Just food for thought. But I can guarantee you, even if you get a no, which by the way, I often don't get a no. What I do get is an, I don't know. Yeah. But if I do get a no, the one thing I have, and I have witnessed it time and time again, I do know my loved one walks away thinking about what I just said. Not that they're going to follow through. They're going to do it that way, but that's okay. All I'm doing is I'm giving them the information and they get to take it and do with it what they want. It becomes theirs, not mine. It's just inspiration for thought. And I will often say when you walk away, and I think this is a really important thing to do, is to make a validating statement or not a validating statement, but just make a statement of, I believe in you. I'm sure you'll figure it out. Take what you got, do with it whatever you want. I'm sure you will figure it out. And then the last step is to circle back a couple of days later and say, hey, what'd you decide to do with that issue you had with your boss? Or did you think about it? Did you use any of those ideas? How did it go? And then whatever my loved one tells me, it's like, yeah, see, you did figure it out. You figured it out on your own. Whether they use my ideas, they don't use my ideas, whatever it is that they did, they figured it out. And I can tell you, I used this in a similar situation with my son at work. I gave him a couple of ideas. I gave him the information. And then I asked him a couple of days later, you know, what do you decide to do? And he said, uh, I just quit. <laughs> so he didn't, use, <laughs> he didn't use any of my ideas. But I said to him, well, you figured it out. Certainly not what I wanted him to do, but he figured it out. It was his solution. And I just took the positive out of it and was like, well, he held that job for a few months. 
He applied for the job. He got the job. He can do it again. And, and that was it. And that is sandwiching. So I'm just going to add one thing to that, which is that when you're doing the part of the sandwich, which is great, this is very exciting, of um, the sharing of the info of your thoughts and your ideas, I call it the Columbo way if I'm doing it well, as opposed to, well, you could do this and this and this, because, you know, I like making lists. So this for me is a list. So I'm like, okay, back up here. I need to do it in a kind of softer, more curious way. Because the other thing that I'm trying to do, because I have an adolescent, I'm trying to model how I process just doing it out loud. So it's like, okay, hmm, let's see, let's, you know, I wonder what my, the boss is thinking. What do you have at work? Is it a small organization or a big one? So hmm, like the boss is probably pissed. So, you know, I'm wondering if there's a way that you can chat them up and, you know, try to, you know, that you could explain things. Or is there something going on that's making you late every time? Because that's another thing. It's like, is something getting in the way of you being on time? I would ask a question in it too, but it's more like, I feel like when I do this, I'm trying to muddle around so that I'm not so concise that I look like a machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm modeling that I don't have a clue what's going to work. It's like, I don't usually create these horrendously messy situations. So how would I, you know, muddle through a messy situation? I'm going to demonstrate how to unmuddle a muddled situation in my head, which is messy. So I'm going to be a little bit messy about it, but I'm just thinking out loud. Yeah. And what I have found, I know that this is the structure of doing the sandwiching, but I have found that I don't end up following the structure so closely that I also end up muddling around. And I also find that I may ask for permission, get a yes. They're more receptive to what I'm saying. But sometimes when I say something, I start to get that no, nah, I don't think no, nah, like right away. And if I back myself out, it works well, right? So it may look like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you know what? This was not, you don't have to do anything I'm saying. Absolutely nothing. I'm just throwing out ideas. And then I kind of wait and see what kind of a reception that's going to get. And I have found that every time I do that, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've even had uh, my loved ones say to me, yeah, you're just get you're just trying to get me to think. And I'm like, yeah, that's all I'm doing. Never mind. <laughs> and that's what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Basically, that's accepting whatever the outcome is, because all of this is about not being outcome oriented. It's about being process oriented. How am I engaging? Because really the process is the connection. And so if you're process oriented and, and looking at what kind of connection am I creating right now? And am I modeling a skill? Not that I'm assuming that my loved one's going to take it, but you're talking to people who don't have a lot of skills. And so the more you do it out loud and kind of are muddling around or trying to do this on a regular basis, people pick it up. To me, that's the goal. It's like, am I, is there going to be a brilliant solution? Probably not, but having your loved ones stop and think about something differently and feeling connected with you at the same time is a very powerful experience. And the more you practice it, the more natural and kind of fluid in the conversation it becomes. And I love sandwiching. I think it's a great skill, but I also do it sparingly because I don't want to be constantly be the one who has the solutions. I actually want my loved one to figure stuff out without me. That's great. Okay. So that's a great place to end. 
Yes, it is. So ORS, ORS, right? Offering to help, owning my own piece. What was it? Offering to help, owning my own piece. Open-ended questions. Open-ended questions. A is affirmations. R is reflective listening. And S is sandwiching. Asking permission to share. Whether yep. if no, you don't. If it's yes, you do it in a way that's open and receptive. And then you circle back to how did it go? What'd you come up with? And that allows them to own it. It's theirs. Yep. So thank you. Great conversation today, Kayla. I just want to let our listeners know that there is the 10 day challenge. If you complete half of the modules in a 10 day period of time, you will qualify for a $250 one day training, immersive training. Dominique, Kayla, and I will be back again uh, next week. Thank you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope this episode of Coming Up for Air spoke to you. If you're listening in today on a podcast platform that isn't the Allies member site, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating. This helps others find the show more easily. If you have a suggestion for a new topic or a guest for the show, please reach out through the Contact Us form on alliesinrecovery.net. Special thanks to our hosts, our guests, and our production team.